So as I said, today is a day for, for reflection and listening to the whisper of the Spirit in your own life. You know, we've, we've been, had a whole week since we last met. We encountered 1 Peter 2 last week, talking about us as being living stones, and we have some more uh, from, from 1 Peter 2 today. But this is a time to just listen to what God is saying to you, and we're going to have a time to respond in worship at the end of the service, an extended time, which is really, really lovely. I'm excited about that. We got a couple new kittens in our house that the kids love, and the kids love to feed them because the cats get so excited when they hear the sound. It's just like the Fancy Feast commercial. You click the top, the cats come running. Um, one of the cats' favorite thing we found is to, when they're done with their food, they, they go on the counter and knock the little can, the little tuna can down, and they bat it around the living room and around the kitchen and just play hockey. We call it tuna hockey uh, for the cats. But today I'm going to kind of bat you between two different scripture passages, one that we, we did last week and one, the one that I shared this morning in our call to worship in Romans 12. And I really want to, to go between these two passages and really think through some of the theology uh, in them uh, as we are talking about the idea of being the people of God, like that we are, the, we are the church, the people of God uh, in this generation and, and what's called a spiritual house for God to make his dwelling in. So we're going to go between these two things. The truth of the matter, as far as God building a spiritual house to, to indwell, is that um, God will build his house no matter what materials are present. No matter the quality of the discipleship of the believers, no matter, no matter what, God is going to build his house. The only perfect stone in the living stone house that God has built is Jesus Christ the only perfect stone in the whole thing. All of us other stones are misshapen and, you know, off. We're off. But Jesus is a perfect cornerstone. Jesus hold, will hold the walls together. He'll hold the, the ceiling on, on the house. He's a perfect stone. But all of us are invited to be living stones in this building that God has made. So Jesus is going to build no matter what. God's going to build his church no matter what. That being said, anyone will tell you that some building materials are better than others as far as their quality and durability. And the Bible does talk to us about becoming the kind of people that can, um, can be made into this, into this house and be effective for God. And part of what God is speaking to me this week had to do with leaving some things behind in my life so that I can become an effective part of this thing that he's building a new life. And the prayer is that you are also hearing from God in that way. I want to show you some weird, very weird um, fashion trends from well-known designers. So you can throw up my first slide. I don't know who actually wears this stuff. I decided, not to, I decided to have ladies and gentlemen in this presentation. That's a, that's a favorite. That's really nice. That'd be good for uh, kind of the Queen of England meets a washer, I guess. <laughs> this is very modest, too. This is all very modest clothing, you know. The tentacles. And finally, this, you can't, you can't even see the face at all. Those are some weird fashion trends. And the question is, what lesson can we possibly learn from looking at these weird fashion trends? And I would say that we learn that 
Weird clothes don't just pop out of nowhere. They are made with weird patterns by weird people. And when everyone is wearing the weird clothes made by weird patterns created by weird people, it doesn't feel so weird to them um, anymore, even if they're looking extremely weird. I hope that's a politically correct enough term. Romans 12, 1-2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here we're being cautioned by the Apostle Paul to not be conformed to the basic pattern of this world, but to be repatterned by the renewing of our minds so that we can know God's will for our lives, both his moral will of what is good and what is bad, what is right and wrong, and also the direction that we desperately need for our lives. You know, what job am I supposed to take? What, what spouse am I supposed to, person am I supposed to marry? You know, what am I supposed to do in this situation that the Bible doesn't directly address necessarily? And here, Paul is saying, instead of being conformed to the pattern of the world, be conformed to the mind of Christ by the renewing of the mind. If we insist on borrowing from the world's weird pattern, like those dresses, and never take the step to offer ourselves to God instead as living sacrifices, we cannot hope to be good material for God to use in his building. We have to first submit to God, to bow to God, he's the Lord, and be transformed, allow him to transform us uh, by his word and, and as, we, as we come to him. We have to be a people of God's kingdom and the people of the cross. A kingdom people do the works of God, God's kingdom, reaching out to the outcast, praying for healing, all the things that Christ and the apostles did in his earthly ministry. So we're to be a people of the kingdom and a people of the cross. We do this by first and foremost offering ourselves, as this passage says, as living sacrifices to Jesus so that his cross can crucify us and resurrect us as the people of God as we as we conform to Jesus. We are to be a people of the kingdom and a people of the cross as well. With this in mind, I'm going to, I'm going to take you through this passage in 1 Peter 2 that we read last week with, with a little bit of the middle uh, taken out for length. It says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. Verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now... You have received mercy. As I shared from my sermon last week in, in this passage, God has built and rebuilt his people in every generation of humanity. Every 100 years, we all turn over. And we're not here anymore. And there's a whole new group of people in this world. 
in a hundred years, this whole generation will have passed away for the most part, with a few exceptions. And God will rebuild his people again out of the people that we don't even know yet, the people that are not yet born. God has a plan to make those people into his, uh, his living stone house. God will do what he's done in every generation. And God will use us and the church to reach out to others who are not yet a part of the, the church to come into the building. We talked last week about how the new church God raises up emerges from the rubble of the generation that came before it, the good and the bad. So how you and I embody the church matters for generations to come. What we set up for people after our time, our children, those who are not yet born, it matters. It matters to get the most important things right as far as it depends on us. God builds a people for himself in every generation with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone, holding the whole thing together, the foundations and the walls. God is pictured as a master stoneworker who knows just how to stack up his people and build a house for himself through them, no matter what context or generation they find themselves in. And even the imperfections and the parts of our lives that have, that have left us with scars and wounds and, and made us misshapen, the master stone layer is able to perfectly situate that stone into his house as living stones to be a dwelling place for God. And it's all held together by Jesus. So we're, we're living stones built and rebuilt into a spiritual house for God to dwell in in every generation of human history. And this is our time. This is God's plan A for reaching uh, the world to, to know who God is. That's why it says in the Bible that uh, when Jesus said, pr- prays for unity, he prays that we would be one so the world might know that God sent Jesus. That's, that's why unity is so important in the church. And that's why Jesus prayed that we would be one, that we would have unity. Because through us, we are the plan A for letting the world know about the God that we serve and are submitted to. Uh, we are, it goes on to say uh, in that first Peter passage that we are, think, listen, to, listen to this, if you just meditated on this this week and really took this to heart, that we are a royal priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are called in that same passage a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And our purpose is to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into God's wonderful light. One of the reasons I wanted to bat between Romans 12 and 1 Peter 2 is because of this word, spiritual. Because of this word, spiritual. In 1 Peter 2, It says that we, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. In Romans 12, it says, offer yourselves to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. I I find that word spiritual to be so problematic because it can mean anything and it means nothing to us in our modern world. It just feels like, well, we're not doing animal sacrifices anymore, like in the Old Testament times. It's a spiritual sacrifice. What does that mean? I don't know. Not exactly sure, but we're not doing that. We don't have to do anything anymore, you know? Um, This word spiritual can be 
so abstract. And, and we just think about, you know, the New Age movement of gurus and, you know, yoga and all this stuff. Um, that's spiritual. But that's not at all what spiritual means in the Bible. So if we miss what spiritual means in the Bible, we miss the whole message of what we're to do as Christians. As I said in First Peter, we are being built into a spiritual house for Jesus, and to offer ourselves to Jesus is our spiritual act of worship. The word spiritual in the original language doesn't refer to just this ghostly apparition that is inside of you that kind of is separate from you. It refers to the totality of who you are as a person. Mind, body, soul, spirit, heart, your motivations, your thoughts, everything about you is, is, is encapsulated in this word spiritual. So when we, so when we hear something like that he's building us into a spiritual house, he's talking about a whole body from each person who's part of the house, expression of who they are built into this house. When it says to offer yourself to God as a spiritual act of worship, he's saying offer your whole self to God. Not just your spirit or whatever, this abstract idea, but your whole self. Offer your whole body, soul, mind, and spirit to God. And it says, and, 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 and when it says spiritual house, the word for house means an inhabited dwelling place made up of the entire being of God's people. So, I really, first of all, appreciate that the, the word that we get tabernacle from means inhabited place. Because what it's saying is, and this is really the most exciting thing to me, that if we offer our whole selves to God, he's, it's our spiritual act of worship, he will build us like, like, a, uh, like a master stone layer, like into a, wall, into a building of living stones, into a spiritual house, inhabited place. He's not bringing us together so that we can, you know, just have a, have a circle time together and like, well, we're all here. And he, he intends to inhabit the church, fully intends to inhabit the church and to continue the ministry that Jesus inaugurated and began when he came. It's just, it's, it's very mind-blowing. But if we miss this, this idea of spiritual and we think that's pie in the sky, abstract, doesn't make much sense, we miss this idea that it's a whole body, whole mind, whole heart, whole spirit, offering yourself to God. That's what Romans is saying. And the spiritual house, it's not some kind of ghostly apparition. It is made up of the, to the everything that makes up a person is offered to God and placed in the house, and it's for the purpose of God dwelling in that house, which is why it talks about, um, about holiness, talks about royal priesthood. You know, these are all things, because there is actually a presence that's going to dwell in this house through Christ, which is an amazing, amazing thing. And this house that Jesus is building, it doesn't always look uh, like we'd expect, because God's the master stone craftsman. He's stacking things the way he, he sees best. He has a different order of importance for things. Jackie and I were celebrating her birthday this week. We walked by someone's house. Uh, it was in Vermont, so this tells you a little bit about, you know, it's kind of like a an earthy thing, but these people had built all these stacks of rocks in their yard, and they were perfectly balanced. They weren't wired together. They were just balanced. And a lot of them were heavy rocks on top and smaller rocks on the bottom. And it was just a, I looked at these things, and I'm like, first of all, I want to push them over, because that's the kid in me. <laughs> I just want, 
Um, I was glad the kids were not with us because that would have happened. But I thought, what an interesting thing, thinking about living stones, about how God's balancing things just right. He's using the weak to shame the strong. He's using, you know, those things that are despised by the world are of great value to him. And it says in, in, um, in uh, 1 Corinthians, in, in the love chapter, that uh, the unpresentable parts of the body he's, he treats with special honor, you know? So it's, it's interesting, even if you feel like you're, like, not the greatest uh, material for God building, number one, he's going to use you anyway because Jesus is the only perfect rock in the whole thing. And number two, um, you know, when you, when you think about it, God typically, he typically chooses the weak and rejected, despised things to build with, even foundationally, in his kingdom. It's really quite a remarkable image. So I think it's good for us to consider this spiritual house being a whole, a whole self as part of the wall. Not part of yourself, but all of yourself offered to God as your spiritual act of worship with the intention of him inhabiting, actually inhabiting that spiritual house. Very amazing thing. And Peter reminds us that things were not always this way for us. Before God started, saved us and started making us into his house, we were not a people, meaning we didn't belong to anyone or have a purpose. We hadn't received God's mercy. But now that God's word has called us, we are a people and we have received mercy. And in every generation of people, again, none of us will be here in 100 years, probably. God is faithful to do what God has done in every generation, and that is to build people for himself into a spiritual house, no matter the context being ancient Israel, you know, God's people, ancient Israel, maybe the medieval period of history, the 20th century, or in this modern era that we live in. The people always are going to look different because of their context and where they live. We are the materials that are at hand. We are people of our time. But God does the building and the rebuilding with Jesus as the chief cornerstone holding the whole thing together. And because God builds his house on Jesus Christ, we don't have to grapple with the insecurity of, will the church fall apart in 2021? No. Like people get, people really think like, we've lost. It's over, you know. It's not, it's not going so well for, for, for us. Jesus is holding the whole thing together. The church is not going to fall apart because Jesus holds us. But we're not left on autopilot either. You know, in fact, by no means, Paul would say, are we, are we left on autopilot. We are called by the Scriptures, by the Holy Spirit, to make every effort to be good materials which God can use to build his house by turning from our darkness and sins and embracing the foundational things of faith through reading and understanding and then obeying the scriptures and embracing a self-sacrificing lifestyle of giving ourselves over to Jesus. You know, if you sacrifice yourself to the wrong person, it can be abusive. When you sacrifice yourself to Jesus, it's, it's, it's the opposite of that. It's safer, it's better to, to, to offer him a living sacrifice of your total being. It's a safe place to be. And Jesus will take anyone who does that, begin turning their darkness into light, begin building them into his house. People of, kingdom, of the kingdom and people of the cross. Romans 12. Therefore I offer you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies 
your whole self as a living sacrifice. This is your proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to, to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So you see that? Offer your whole self to God and then make every effort not to conform to the pattern of this world. You know, people are following crazy patterns and wearing weird clothes. Um, and everyone thinks it's normal and okay. This is how we've always lived. But God has a different pattern for us to follow. And it's found in, in his revealed word in the scripture. And it's found as his Holy Spirit works in our lives. Um, there's a new pattern called renewing the mind being transformed by the renewing of your mind, changing the way you think to align with the way that God thinks, which we can see in part in Scripture, and we can experience through the mind of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit given to each one of us to follow Jesus. And the promise is when we, when we do not conform to the pattern of the world, but we are transformed and repatterned by the renewing of our minds, then we are able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And before we do that, we're kind of lost. We have, to, we have to take some responsibility to receive the free gift of being a living stone that God is definitely going to use by offering ourselves to Jesus, trusting him to hold the whole thing together. It doesn't all depend on us, but it does. We, there is something required of us, and that's to offer ourselves as whole self-sacrifices to God as our spiritual act of worship. You know, it's interesting, the a living sacrifice idea. First of all, aren't you thankful God says living sacrifice? That's good. It's good to get to stay alive. Um, let's just appreciate that. But um, sacrifice in the original language can be translated to victim. So in other words, you know, if, if people are sacrificing a, a, a lamb in atonement for their sins in the Old Testament, the lamb was the victim of the sacrifice. You know, that, the lamb is the one that got, got slaughtered. He's saying, you know, offer yourself as a living, as a living sacrifice, as a living, um, as a living victim, if you will. It doesn't make much sense. This is your spiritual act of worship. Offer your, that's, a, that's another way of saying offer your whole self to God. Let your, die to sin and live to Jesus, you know? Choose to do that. That's why we use words like surrender in our, in, our, in our worship times. And we know, talk about surrendering to God in worship. And it feels so abstract, but what we're talking about is giving ourselves over fully to God and, and cooperating with him to be a part of this beautiful thing he is building called the people of God in our generation. And if we do this well, the next generation of people that we don't even know yet are our children. They're going to have something really great to build on foundationally, there is a, doesn't have to be building from rubble, but the materials can actually be, be preserved and, be, and, and um, we can see God do great things in the generations. I am thankful, as I hope all of you are, that God builds and rebuilds his people always through Jesus Christ, not by our work, but by Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. And I'm thankful for that because no one has ever been a part of a church past September 19th, 2021. There has never been a church past that time.
We don't know exactly how to do it. But God does. And God builds and God rebuilds both in our personal lives and in his people in the spiritual house that he's created with the full intention of inhabiting that house. So today we're going to enter into worship for the, for the end of our service. And we're going to focus on this idea of being a spiritual house, a whole person, us together, holding hands as a spiritual house for God to inhabit. Literally. That we are people of the kingdom and people of the cross, doing the works of the kingdom and offering ourselves to God.